Hello and welcome to episode 704 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Thursday, June 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am flying solo today. Yeah, uproarious cheering that I'm flying solo. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I am going to indeed fly solo. What I'm going to talk about today is surprises on the player radar. Now, I was going to use the auction calculator, but one of the things that it doesn't do that is a little bit annoying to do something like this is it doesn't number the rows. So I can't look at it and be like, oh, this player is 14th on the list. I'd have to count them all down. What I have noticed is that Rasball's player radar and the auction calculator are pretty close. So it's not going to be too far off. And because I can use the player radar and just get the number quickly, we're going to go with that. But just know that the auction calculator is more or less the same. Uh, we just need to add some numbers to those rows there. So uh, something like this is more easily done. And so what I'm going to do is just go by the hitting positions and talk a little bit about some of the some of the guys that are surprising me, and uh, you know maybe talk about their sustainability if it's some if it's some shocking guys that are performing well above expectations. So we will start behind the dish and look at catcher. And at the top, it's really panned out exactly as planned. The top five guys, I'm pretty sure. Let me let me confirm there. I'm, I'm 99% sure that these were the top five drafted guys. Not necessarily in this order, but you know, you'll take this. You'll take this little jumble here. It's Yasmani Grandal, Gary Sanchez, JT Realmuto, Wilson Contreras, and Wilson Ramos, and they were drafted. Realmuto, Sanchez, Grandal, Ramos, Contreras. So again, I mean, they're they're, they're panning out. Fully as expected. Uh, oh, I guess fully would be unfair if they're not in the direct order. But you know what I mean. You paid for those guys. Those were the five that you really had to pay something for before it jumped down to Yachty and then Posey and then jumped down another level into the dregs. And there were just a bunch of bunch of you know gambles in there. So those five are panning out. Where it really does start to uh, show some surprises, though, is you look right at seven. And you've got Mitch Garver. And I kind of want to look at, at uh, his his tandem partner there, Jason Castro, who's at 14. And for a while, Willens Estadio was, was tracking there as well. He's down to 30th now. He's really fallen on hard times. But really, the, the Garver-Castro, you could almost do the, uh, the Kurt Suzuki-Tyler Flowers from a couple years back, where you just get both of them, both Garver and Castro, as your two catchers and just ride that out. Now you would have had to put a fill in for Garver when he got hurt. But if all you were doing was that, let's just say that you went super lazy and and didn't even replace Garver while he was out. I mean, you're still looking at 18 homers, uh, 47 runs. Uh, Let's see here. You're going to have 44 RBI, excuse me, 34 RBIs. No, no, that'd be 44. Excuse me. Indeed, 44. My apologies. 44 ribbies and, and zero steals. And a pretty good batting average. Garver's hitting 321. Castro hitting 274. So they've been excellent. Obviously, that Minnesota offense, you want any piece of it that you can get. And they've been a key part of that. You know, a big surprise for me is really Josh Fegley at eight. Um, I just I haven't really seen any any value in him in past years. Now, I remember when he was first... When he was first coming out, um, he was like a lefty killer. 
and you know if you if you wanted to like spot him against lefties in DFS or something like that, okay, whatever. But even that fell on hard times. And then this year, when Josh Fegley was getting going for let's say like a month plus in, if you looked back on it though, it was really a couple games that were that were completely sustaining his line. First off, he has an eight RBI game. That's going to do a lot for you. And then he had like a little uh, eyeballing it here, like a six-game run in early April. So you add that plus the eight RBI game. Those seven games were really sustaining Fegley uh, as as a, a premier catcher option. Now, to his credit, uh, he's continued to hit for some power. That's about it. But uh, let's say from the eight RBI game on, he has four homers, 17 ribbies, uh, eight runs, that's not good, and a two thirty three average. So the the slash line's garbage, but the t- the four homers, 17 ribbies, that paces to a full season of 21 and 89, respectively, which you're going to take that all day. So, you know, there has still been some value for Fegley even since that eight RBI game. He's got uh, games of four, three, and three RBIs as well. Um, all of those include homers. And then that, and then a solo shot on on another day there. Those are the four homers that Fegley has. So he's been good, and he's playing. Um, so I guess you know, I just I just don't know. I just don't feel comfortable with Josh Fegley. But I look at him; he's eighth on the board here. I wish I could see. Um, you know where I can do it real quick. Hang on, let me look at ESPN's player rating because they allow you to chop it up by days. You know, by time periods. Let me see where where Fegley is the last thirty days, if he's still tracking well, because that would be interesting. Do, do, do. Put the thirty days. Let's see where Fegs stands there. Old Fegarino, tenth. So he's still performing. The bar just isn't that high. So even you're looking at the two thirty three average. And the poor runs output, the fact that the homers and and RBI output has been there, that plays. In fact, let's look at uh, just the last month because that chops off a few of the earlier days there. It's still all four homers, 16 ribbies, 232 average. Yeah, eight runs. Okay, so Josh Fegley, he's an option. (laughs) I mean, you look at this uh, this top 10 here, and he's far and away the lowest on uh, roster rate at, at 42%. Everybody else is 77 or higher. The lo- second lowest is Chirinos at 75. And then Omar Narvaez at 77. So Fegley, people still aren't buying into into Fegley. And I get it because I'm not even doing it myself. So I can't, I can't blame others. You know, if you're just looking for some of that, uh, s- some of the power and that's it. And you're, and you're comfortable taking that. I guess you can go with, with Fegley. Um, let's see. Any, anybody else at catcher here? I mentioned Armar Narvaez. He was an interesting pick for folks. I, I think he had some buzz in two catcher leagues as like a sneaky C2. Maybe get you some batting average. Uh, maybe score some, some runs because he can get on base. He had a 275. Actually, the last two years, if you just add up his, his uh, 187 games with the White Sox the last two years coming into this season, 276, 369, which is a nice... Uh, average OBP combo there. Now he only had a 3.86 slug, so the power really wasn't there to go with it. When when your slug and OBP are that close, it's not much. But 
if you're just looking for some empty batting average uh, or OBP, depending on what kind of league you play, it was fine. He also did club nine homers last year, which was a big power spike. And so if you thought maybe I can get another nine homers, well, you have already in 54 games. And the uh, the average is still there at 280, and the OBP is at 359. So Omar Narvaez has is, is been great. And he's sitting, sitting seventh, 77%. I, I think that might speak more to uh, the the prominence of one-catcher leagues because obviously in two-catcher. And, and Fegley would be much higher too. I'm not sure what the roster rate is. Uh, actually, never mind. It is ESPN because on on uh, on uh, pardon me on Razball you can select you can select the league that you want between ESPN and Yahoo. Let me see. I wish I could select one catcher or two catcher. That'd be kind of interesting. I would like to see that, but that's not available. So I'm actually going to go to the 12 team Yahoo real quick and just see what what the catcher situation looks like real quickly on that. And while I'm doing that, I'll I'll bring up some other catchers here. I mentioned him earlier in passing, Kurt Suzuki. He continues to do well. Uh, That guy, I mean, he's just a great hitter. Uh, He's completely changed his game, and he's become a really strong hitter. So the roster rates are the same here. So I don't know if they're just using a universal roster rate and going with that uh, regardless. I'd be surprised if Yahoo and ESPN were dead even. Oh, hang on. Let me scroll down here. I bet bet it says. Oh, here you go. Based on uh, roster rate within the Razzball Commenter Leagues, which consists of 80-plus 12-team leagues using the ESPN standard format. So there you go. They've got their own pool of leagues there. And so that makes sense. If they're using the ESPN standard format, that is one catcher. And that's why Fegley is at 42 and, and Narvaez even at 77 is kind of low. Number 10 is James McCann. And I recently wrote him up. I did a piece on uh, you know, finding some gold on, on, on the crummy teams. Useful hitters on bad teams. And he's just continued to perform. Now, we know that the OBP has to come back to earth at some point. I think it was tracking at, at just an obscene like 470 rate for a good part of, of April. And we knew that that was going to trail off. But just looking at it since May even, if we just go from May 1st on, it's still at 395. So he still has a 314 average. I mean, if you just look at the last calendar month, so we'll lop off uh, another handful of uh, big hit days. It's still at 351. So it's taking a while to really come back to earth for James McCann. He's he's cut the strikeouts, not overwhelmingly, but from 25 to 21%, and uh, really amped his his contact rate, and, and balls are just dropping. Uh, well, phrasing? I guess we're not doing phrasing anymore. But a, a 410 rate is absurd. He's upped his ground ball rate. Uh, let me see if he's done anything else with this. Yeah, there are some other batted ball profile changes. He's going oppo substantially more, 11 ticks up from 29 to 40%. So spraying the ball a bit, and you're not always going to get a lot of power to the to the oppo field. So I, I wonder if that's where some of that um, some of that uh, extra some of that base hit. Capability. I was going to say extra base hit capability. I would, I'm meaning extra as in more, not extra base hit as in like doubles, triples, and homers. So that would have been confusing. Good thing I didn't do that. I still explained it. I still wasted that time. So that was cool, but I didn't do it. So James McCann's been great. I mean, ride it out, right? Uh, you know, because even if he hits just the 274 the rest of the year, the same 274 he's hit over this last month, 
we'll take that. Uh, catcher's a wasteland. So, you know, you, you just ride these out with these guys right now. I don't think that you try to jump off the train because what are you going to pick up instead? I, I, I don't know where you'd really go, um, you know, to kind of pivot away from these guys here. And again, we're talking mostly two catcher leagues. In one catcher, you kind of got your standard guys here. Although I will say, I wonder if some of these guys need to be traded out for Buster Posey. Like, are we still just holding Buster Posey on name value? In a one-catcher league, you know, is it not like kind of a Miguel Cabrera situation in a shallow league where the name value's got you hanging on? Now, I grant that Posey's not as old. I think he's like three years younger at 32. I, th- I think maybe he's 35. But if you did like an age to wear down calculation at catcher, wouldn't it be comparable I mean, he's pacing for 11 homers, 63 runs, and ribbies, and a 256 average. If you blind resume Posey, there's no chance that you'd have him. And so, what are we holding on for? Last year was a 284 with 5, 41, and 47 in 105 games. Even if you pace that out to 140 games and give him a little bit more love, who cares? And he's already missed time this year. He has 47 games played. They've got 60-something, I'm sure. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, they've got 56 games played. Excuse me, 66. 66 games played. So he's already missed 20 games. So, I don't know, man. I don't know if if I'd cut him for Fegley. But what about, like, Carson Kelly? Why, why, why am I holding Posey over Carson Kelly? And Carson Kelly is uh, is widely available. Look at any ESPN leagues here. 2%. Looking on the Razzball leagues, 3%. Why not? The aforementioned Jason Castro is only at 3%. Christian Vasquez is at 34%. Isn't Vasquez doing what what we could reasonably expect out of uh, out of Posey, 287, 7, and 22 homers and runs. He's just like Posey where he's matching his runs and homers. Except his are better. I mean, now in fairness, people have moved on from Posey. He's at 66% in the in those Razzball leagues. And let me see where he is in, uh, in ESPN league since I have them pulled up. 72 so, you know, people are moving away, but that's still, both of those are still too high. I think it's got to be sub 60 right now. I'd rather have Vasquez. I'd rather have Narvaez. He's not as widely available, so that one's a little bit more of a pipe dream. I think I'd rather ride out the McCann hotness. I'll tell you what, here's one. Jonathan Lucroy sitting 17th. He's got, uh, he's got a 70, uh, 26% roster rate. Let me see what he's been up to lately, because I remember he was killing it for a while. And I was like, oh, now you decide to turn it on. I carried your carcass for years. Okay, he's come back to earth quite a bit. He's got a 232 average. He was he was toting a good average for a minute. Um, As recently as May 8th, he was at, hell, as recently as May 24th, he was at 273. So that's his high watermark over the last uh, over the last few weeks. But since then, it's got to oh my god, absolutely dreadful. 
118 since then. That's really because yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I was surprised that, to see Lucroy that low. He had to have been in a colossal slump, and he is. So okay, maybe you hold Posey over him, but uh, there's other guys out there. I just don't think you need to blindly hold Posey because of the name value. That's all I'm saying. And for the record, he is 23rd on the player radar here. And I don't know what more you'd really, you'd really want to expect. All right, let's move on to first base. Can't do of an hour on every team, Paul, or else it's going to be like the rotation check-ins. By the way, I remember, I, I, I think I said it on the pod, and I definitely wrote it on one of the headlines. I called them the rotational check-ins. The hell does that mean? The rotational? I'm sure rotational is a word, but not the right one for what I was talking about. <laughs> Idiot. God, you're stupid, Paul. Using or relating to a circular movement about an axis or center. Yeah, that's what I meant there. <laughs> I changed it. I don't think it says it on any of the titles anymore. It might still, I mean, it still says it in some of the pods, I'm sure. I'm surprised none of y'all roasted me for that. It's probably a deserved roastification. All right, moving over to first base. And let's pull up the info here. Um, at the top, obviously, you've got a couple surprises, although they're not surprises similar in the same vein as some of the catchers that were creeping up. Uh, well, again, the top end of catcher was not a surprise, but some of those catchers that were popping up after those first five guys, those were big surprises. Uh, Bellinger and Bell leading first base. Bellinger especially. I mean, he's the third-round pick. Bell doing what he's doing is unquestionably a surprise. I don't want to downplay it and be like, well, we should have expected. No. But it's not like, it's not completely out of nowhere in that we never saw him be good before. He was good in 2017. Now, this is another level. He's already um, he's already five homers away from what he did all of 2017, and he played 159 games. So, I mean, I, you know, Josh Bell, next level. But it's Bell and Bellinger. And then uh, Freeman, Rizzo, uh, and then you really start to get into some new, some new guys, though, some surprises. Edwin Encarnacion, you just can't, you just can't move on from this guy. Now, I'm sure some of you, there's some of you out there who like the old, boring approach, and that's paying off for you because you probably got, you've probably got Edwin. He was cheap. Uh, he was kind of forgotten. It was just kind of like, ah, whatever, I'll take Edwin. I'm, I'm going to pull up his uh, his ADP here. I got tabs on tabs on tabs, y'all. I'm going to take a drink while I'm pulling that up, though. Multitasking. He was the 16th first baseman taken. 155 overall. That's not so cheap. I would... I, I would have guessed he was in the 200s based on the way I was talking about it. So, but that's a fair price. I mean, it's it's obviously a fair price. There's obviously nothing wrong with what you paid on this price versus what you're getting. I mean, but Josh Bell went 231 for crying out loud. He was the 23rd first baseman off the board behind Jake Bowers. Sick, sick dude. Anyway, this is about Edwin AL high 21 homers. Still only hitting 241. 
you know, average has come down the last couple of years. It's really, it's actually in a, in a free fall, 277 to 263 to 258 to 241, or excuse me, to 246 to 241. Free fall might be overstating it. My point was that it was, it's come down every year, but I guess a free fall wouldn't be a five point dip from last year. That's an overstatement there. My bad. 49 ribbies, 48 runs. He's been caught stealing. Edwin, my guy. What are you doing? How are you getting caught? More importantly, how'd you have three steals last year? The hell happened on those. More importantly, how were you seven for seven the last three years combined? The hell happened on those. Don't know. Don't care. Anyway, Edwin's been great. He should be traded out. Um, who even needs a first baseman right now? Where can he go? I'm going to try to look it up a little bit here. And see if I can do that. Does roster resource give me a positional depth chart? Where I can look at everybody's first baseman. Oh, you know, I know where it does. Where, I know where it does. Nah, that doesn't seem right to say I know where does. Have I had a brain injury? Did I just say I know where does? I know where does! I know somewhere that does. How about that? How about, how about English? <laughs> Moron. Anyway... Oh, I thought they did. Come on, dude. Oh, crap on a crutch. Eh, this this will play. This will play. I can scroll. I can scroll on this. I can scroll on this. Um, let's see. Teams that could use one. Well, Angels are still gonna play uh Pulse's carcass. Uh let's see here. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Trying to find a contender that could use a first baseman that would pick up Edwin. Encarnacion. Actually, it could use like a DH too. Is he DH in mostly? Eh, no, he's playing. He's playing more first than DH. Forty-five games at first, nineteen at DH. That that fateful one at second base, which was awesome. Which was awesome. Um, I guess. No, never mind. They have Shohei. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I was gonna say maybe they give it a little bit. Nope. 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 Um, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to find a team. Can't really go back to uh, Cleveland. They suck anyway. Sixth season they're having. Idiots. Uh, nope. Nats aren't going to bring them in. Because then you got to play them. I feel like an AL team's got to do it, though, because then you got to play them at first. And you like, you know, if you can play first, that's cool, but you like having the luxury of, of, of not. You know, I feel like he was rumored with this team. That would just complicate things, though. I was going to say the Rays. I feel like Jason was pushing for the Rays to get him uh, when he was available, when he was a free agent. Or no, this offseason, when, when we knew he was going to be traded. That's what it was. Um, I'm really not finding it. No, I am, I'm scanning pretty quickly here because I can't spend all my time on this. But I'm really not finding a good opening for Edwin. What if he gets traded and he's not a full-time player? That would suck for fantasy folks, at least. And for Edwin. Anyway, he's been great. He's number five. 
Number five. Number six is Pete Alonso. And, um, you know, kudos if you were one of the folks in on Pete Alonso. He's been excellent. You're loving it. He's put up an Encarnacionian 22 homers, one shy of Edwin, 254 average, better than Edwin, eight points better, 49 ribs, 39 runs, hell of a season, man. He's been great. He's been unquestionably great. I think the power's unchallenged as far as what what that can do. The batting average is is where you're going to have to – see what we can get here because it was 292 in april and it's been poor since then i want to say it's been about two 225 or something because he's hitting pete alonso's hitting 237 against righties that's not good and you know if you're not facing enough lefties to keep the average up it could really come down it could be down in the 230s by the end of the year 224 since May 1st. Almost nailed it with the eyeball. Almost nailed it. Said 225. Kind of a genius. No big deal. Don't applaud. Eh, Go ahead and applaud. It's okay. In that same time, though, 13 homers, 23 ribbies. That paces out to a full season of 57-101. Which is insane. Imagine if you had 57 homers you only had 101 ribbies. Thanks, Mets. Thanks for getting on base a lot. Sick, dudes. You guys are killing it. I hit 57 dongs, and I only drove in 101 of you idiots. Not even, because I drove myself in 57 times. So I drove in 44 of you dumbasses. Eh, that's Pete Alonso talking to the Mets. Anyway, he's been six. He's been great. Joey Gallo might have lost a spot or two already just, just by not playing. Um, he's down to sixth. He's on the IL right now, or seventh, excuse me, on the IL with a uh, with an oblique strain, which sucks, dude. Supposed to be out till at least the end of the month, so that's two more weeks. And he went out with this injury a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, June first. So looking looking to miss a whole month. God, that sucks. He'd been so great. And listen, I've never been a Gallup believer. I, you know, I, I always say, like, I don't want to have to alter my draft style changing him. And if I don't plan for it, then I'm not going to take him. This, that, and the other. And just concern that, you know, what's his what's his real cap? 240, you know, 230 even is probably what I was saying. I just didn't believe. And he's completely blown that out of the water. And major credit to Joey Gallo for the improvements. He's been awesome. It's been great to watch. This is one of those ones where it's like, yeah. I, I'm I was wrong on on what I expected, but I, I I'm not rooting against him or anything. I love this. I enjoyed watching him beast and kind of single handedly keep keep Texas afloat. And that's not really true because in baseball that just doesn't happen that way. But an MVP type season out of Gallo was a key component to them succeeding. They've also gotten some good pitching, and that lineup runs deeper than Gallo. So again, I, I I'm mostly tongue in cheek when I'm suggesting. That uh, that he was doing it by himself, but he's been uh, he he'd been great before being felled by an injury. Now apparently he got the same oblique strain as um, as Aaron Judge, but it was literally the same. So it was on the same side, and his was on the back side of his swing. So that would be your left side, 
which would be the front side of, of judges swing. And apparently if it's on the front side, it's worse. So we did catch a break there for Gallo. So hopefully it's only the month. I mean, golly, these, these, the pace that he was on. And I know paces are silly. They can still be fun, though. Even if you acknowledge the silliness. You can dream. You can dream. Because some guys keep pace, right? That's how you get an MVP season is you keep pace on your, on your stupid, you know, just obscene run from the first two months. You somehow maintain it. Voila, your MVP instead of just being a star. 56-133 runs and ribbies. Another guy matching his runs and ribbies. So he had 56, 133 runs and ribbies. And chip in 10 steals. And he was hitting 276. So hopefully Gallo comes back and can pick up where he left off. He's awesome. I'm really impressed with what he's been able to do. I might inquire about trading for him. If you could really get a discount, that made it worth hanging on. You'd have to be in a luxury position to where you could actually wait. And, you know, because you're probably going to be trading a premium asset of some sort. It's just you're, you're trying not to trade at the at the top level, but you're still giving a strong, you know, you're not getting him for nothing. The person with Joey Gal is not stupid, but uh, yeah, he's been awesome. Let me see anything else that that's really stand out here. I am a little bit surprised that uh, Whit Merrifield sits ninth at first base. I guess I underestimated what he's been doing this season. Now he has first base from last year. If you use the five game eligibility, so the Yahoo eligibility, he qualifies that way. Most leagues, he does not qualify. Um, so, just so just so we're clear on that. But even even that just shocked me a little bit because I kind of thought he was underperforming a little bit. I think because his stolen bases for the the stolen bases for Whit Merrifield haven't really been there, and so I was like, hmm, um, to see him, you know, rated that highly. But, you know, he's still kind of st- stuff in the stat sheet. 292, seven homers, 29 r- ribbies only, but 44 runs. And still has 10 steals. Now he has an AL high, five caught. And that that's, you know, that's one of those things. I don't know. what Has anybody done any studies on, on success? Success rates and, like, how sticky they are? Because I feel like... Merrifield was kind of one of these guys that's like, oh, you know, he's a he's a he's a strong base stealer, doesn't get caught too much. Over the last two years, he was 79 for 97, 81% clip. That's fantastic. Of course, this year he's uh, 67%, 10 for 15. And, you know, he's already halfway to his entire caught stealing rate last year, and he's 20 shy of last year's pace of 45 steals for Whit Merrifield. So anyway, uh, that that's fringe to talk about him at first base because that's not a lot a lot of leagues, but that that'll that'll constitute my mention of him here because um, he's probably going to be high at second base. And and again, it was a little bit surprising. I think it speaks more to the fact that he's doing a bit of everything. And so even though the steals have been a bit disappointing, he's still he's still filling the old stat sheet. See anybody else here? You got Muncie and Santana, ten and eleven. Nothing crazy there. Trey Mancini's bounced back nicely. 
after a down seven, uh, 18. So he breaks out in 17, comes back to earth last year. I think even more than, than the detractors thought. And I, I count myself among those. I wasn't, I didn't think he was going to drop 50 points of average. I kind of thought similar power output, which is exactly what he had. He matched it. 24 homers in both seasons. I thought more of like a 260. And he was all the way down from 293 to 242. And with that came a 20, 20 RBI drop as well. And that, you know, other than that, he really wasn't that different. What kind of Babip drop did Trey Mancini have last year? Let me take a peek. Went from 352 to 285, back up to 337 this year. So he's kind of like the skills have more or less stayed the same, and he's kind of living and dying with his bad. But I will say this year, though, he's also cut his strikeout rate from 24 to 21%, and, you know, he's up to 302. So the average is back up 60 points. So <laughs> he loses 50, springs back up 60. I don't know. You know, is he a true talent? 274 average, which is what he's got for his career. If you kind of neutralize the BABIP, or is there some skill that's given him two great years of BABIP, and then last year was the unlucky one? I don't know. But Trey Mancini's been good, and he was definitely a low, a low pick that you could have gotten. Pick 244, the 27th first baseman off the board, and he had outfield eligibility. He liked the dual eligibility, so he's been a boon for for the folks that drafted him. Luke Voigt's panned out, as folks expected, at 13. Reese Hoskins and Jose Abreu would be surprises kind of on the down end. They're at 14 and 15, respectively. I don't think that either of them has um, major concerns where you're like, oh, this is killing my team. I need to get out from under this. They've just been disappointing. You know, 16 homers for Jose Abreu with 52 ribbies, 32 runs. Only a 246 average, though, and so that's rough. And then Hoskins, what's he got going 14 homers, 273 average, but uh, 47 ribbies, 36 runs. So just, you know, just down against expectations. They could either or both could spring up in the summer and really go off. Nobody would be surprised if they still finished as like top eight first baseman. couple surprises coming right after that. Howie Kendrick has been awesome. Holy cow, has he been great. Now, he's almost surefire to get dealt. And it'll be a matter of where, and hopefully he still gets full-time run because he deserves it. He was another one of those guys I put in the useful hitters on bad teams because, frankly, the Nats have been bad. And, um, you know, he's not even playing full-time right now, or, or hasn't been all year, I should say. He is now, but he wasn't from Jump Street. And so I don't even think that he qualifies if you look at that, actually, let me let me sort this by batting average here. I don't think it's 183. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. What's the lowest plate appearances you can have to qualify here? Just doing a quick check on that. 208. So he's just shy of the qualification for uh, Howie Kendrick. But let's bop it down to 180 here. And then look, his 325 batting average tied with Josh Bell for 10th best. That's awesome. He has 11 homers, 34 runs, 40 ribbies. That's a, you know, that's good. Those are good numbers without even being a full-time player until recently, until uh, just a ton of injuries made it. So how could they take him out of the lineup? He still gets a breather here and there, but let's just look over the last month. Kendrick, 
346, 381, 628 with five homers, 19 ribbies, 19 runs. He's been excellent. He's been excellent. And uh, playing all over the place, qualifies all over the place too. Unsurprisingly, those things go hand in hand, Paul. That's called obvious. Uh, but he came in with just second base eligibility and because he didn't play a lot last year. He was limited. He was hurt 40 games. In fact, the last couple years been a little bit tough on, on him health-wise. 40 and 91 games, respectively. So that, you know, what are you going to expect from a 35-year-old? Not much. Okay, how about he plays all around and beasts? 18 games at first, 14 at third, uh, 13 at second. So that's been great. That's been absolutely great for him. And um, like I said, he's probably going to get dealt somewhere. He's 35. What do the Nats need with him? I just hope it's not somewhere where they cut his time. Probably will be, though. But not not if he's performing like this. You know, somebody will have like an injury opening or, or space for a super util that can move, you know, move him around. I hope. I like Howie Kendrick. One of the guys that, um, you know, I really started to get into prospects in the, uh, in the early 2000s. So he's one of, he, he's one of the uh, early prospects that I followed from, start, from the start of his career. And I remember he was supposed to come up, win 52 batting titles, and hit 900 for his career. Now he doesn't have any single batting title, but he's still hitting 292 over 6,100 plate appearances. I would say that if batting title is the upside, um, hitting 292 for 6,000 plate appearances is a pretty good landing spot for Howie Kendrick. So anyway, he's been great. Other guy uh, at 17 is Daniel Vogelbach. He continues to you know hit for some pop. You know, he's certainly come back to the pack a bit, but he's got 17 homers on the season, 263, 391, 558. That's a great line. It, you know, you can't really knock anything that he's that he's been doing here. And it's not like um, he's completely fallen off. Again, we'll kind of do the last month look, and in that time, eight homers, 20 ribbies, 17 runs, 268 average. That plays. That plays everywhere. Vogelbach continues to hit. And obviously his playing time is guaranteed. It'll be uber guaranteed once Edwin moves out. Not that that, again, I don't think that matters. Because it's guaranteed. So I don't know how it could be extra guaranteed. But if, if you were worried, you shouldn't be. This is a stupid talking point moving on. Um, anything else at first? Oh, some of the, some of the surprises on the low end, even worse than, than Voight, or excuse me, not Voight, uh, even worse than Hoskins and Abreu. You've got, uh, Goldschmidt at 25. Wolf. Um, let's see here. Matt Carpenter at 38. Ouch. Daniel Murphy, 44. Joey Votto, 49. Gross. Yo, Joey Votto, you're about to get caught by Matt Olson, and Matt Olson missed a freaking month. Which, by the way, you know, Matt Olson has 147 plate appearances, only 36 games played. So, uh, in something like this that's volume based, he's behind the eight ball, and, and it's going to be very difficult for him to catch up. However, 
we, we check in that last month, and I bet he's top five at the position. Damn it. He isn't. Check the last 30 on ESPN. He's not. But he is 13th, which is pretty good. I'm still surprised. Okay, here's his last month of, of, well, I guess the average is super low, 243. But he has 11 homers. Um, 21 ribbies, 18 runs in the last month for Matt Olson. So it's looking like the hamate did not hurt the power. So that's great. I mean, is a month time enough to say that? I I hope so. I like I don't know how it could come back around and, and start to impact him. I, I don't know. If I'm wrong on that, let me know. But looking a month in and him crushing eleven homers, it doesn't look like the handmade is hurting the power. A that's an RBI single for Max Kepler. Two runs will score. Let's go. I think that's lefty lefty too. Jesse Biddle's a lefty, no? Sorry, I'm watching Twins, Twins Mariners here. They're pouring it on. And this was 1-1, I think, in the fifth. It's 7-1 now, and the Mariners or and the Twins are still going. Yeah, that was lefty lefty. Let's go, Cap. Dude, if le- if he figures out lefties, it's over. It's over. Kepler's a beast if he can if he can hold his own against lefties, it's over. Um, by the way, Miguel Cabrera's 58th. So anyway, that's first base. Let's move over to second base and talk about what we got going on here. Aldoberto Mondesi at the top. No surprise. And listen, he's panned out, man. He's panned out. And I was worried about the price because of the plate skills. And, you know, it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered. He's been excellent. 26 steals, 283 average, 6 homers, 44 ribbies, 38 runs. Awesome. He's awesome. Let me look at it overall. I bet he's top 10 overall. Let's just look at hitters in general. Yeah, he's third. He's freaking third behind Yelich and Bellinger. Yellinger. Should we call them Yellinger? If you have both of them on your team, can you say I have... I have um, I'm trying to combine Christian and Cody and I'm failing miserably. Co- nope, it's not working. Just call him Yellinger and move on. I got I to gotta eject from this. This is terrible. Anyway, Mondesi first. Guess number two. Unconventional second baseman, but guess who's number two? He plays there. Like This is this legit. It's not some trick or anything. Uh, that you know, It's not like... Uh, Edwin's there because he played that one game. But not who you, you know, you don't think prototypical second baseman. It's Mike Moustakis, baby. This dude can't get a contract to save his life, but he doesn't wait. He signs what he can get. So he takes $10 million, says, you know what? Got a mutual option for next year. I'll figure it out. If it's, you know, if it's, um, if I beast out, I don't take the eleven milli. I see if maybe they resign me for fifteen milli or something. I don't know. I don't know what that can work like. I don't know if they don't do the option if they have to do the buyout or if he could say, "Listen, I'm interested in coming back. Can you just bump it five milli? Can I get sixteen mil because I'm a monster, or can I get some freaking stability? Twenty-one homers, forty-five ribbies, forty. Dude, another guy with runs and RBIs total 
matching. 45 runs and ribbies. 278 average. Three steals. He had four all of last year. Moose, chill out, you blazer. Bro, you're so fast. Relax. You're speeding around the bases. You're speeding around the bases, dude. Can't even keep up with you. You're a freaking blur. Tell you what, too. He's been really hot of late. Obviously, we keep using the month-long look back. It's a decent chunk to look at. He's number one at the position. 305 with 12 of the homers, 20 of the ribbies, and 25 of the runs. Those are obscene paces. 75 homers, 125 ribbies, 156 runs, and one of the steals, which would be seven. He's been great. I mean, he's awesome, dude. That lineup's good. Um, You obviously didn't expect this because he hit 28 all of last year. But now you're looking at at the 38 from, from 2017 coming back into view for Moose. And with the second and third base eligibility, that's so clutch. That's so clutch just to have that extra. Like, I probably am. A, I'm on the high end of, of how, I, how much I like um, extra eligibility. And so, you know, maybe I overstated a little bit. But I think too many just greatly understate it and ignore it and just don't care. But every week when I'm doing the and you know, think of something like the NFBC, and I know the NFBC is not the only league type. I, I want to be clear, I understand that. But just using it, because I know a lot of y'all play it now too, and I, I'm I'm glad that's awesome. You only have seven reserves. There is no IL. And after a while, you know, we get this deep in deep into the season, you're gonna have to keep hang on to some injured guys. Some guys who are hurt, you can't get rid of them. They're too good. You cutting Joey Gallo because he's nicked? No. Obviously not. And you know what I'm what I'm noticing every week is that I wish that I had some you know, I, I I wish that I had some sort of uh, flexibility usually, but because I drafted for it in most of my leagues, I feel pretty good. Bottom line here, I got I got a little bit far afield here, and I apologize for that because I was um, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I clicked onto Twitter or the tab that had Twitter. I was going to change the thing. I was going to type in something about uh, my NFBC team. And I saw one of the Justin Mason Rotoware shirts, okay? And I got distracted. I'm just, I'm not, why lie to you guys? Why lie and be like, oh no, I meant to meander like that, like a dumbass. I did not. I did not. Whoops. Oh, and then I clicked that. Look at me, I'm all over the place. Anyway, Moustakis with the extra second, third base. Guys like that that have it too. The, the surprise guys that have it. The guys you draft for, of course. But then even some that, that have the extra. When you're making roster moves, in a given week in something like the NFBC or even your standard leagues with ILs. It doesn't matter. Being able to move guys around so that you can get the best available free agents is huge, especially in the drier weeks when it's like, damn, there's nothing out there, but I can't, I don't have room for the one good guy who's available. I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. Thankfully, because I've, I've put a more concerted effort on it in past years, I've been pretty good. And I've been able to to have some flexibility and move around. 
So um, Moose has been awesome. That's just that's the diatribe. Moose, another guy, the number four at the position, has three positions. Second short and outfield for Cattell Martin. He's been awesome. Gosh, he's been awesome. Another team that just mashes and, you know, all their guys have kind of lifted up. And Cattell Marte has 17 homers. He had 14 all of last year. He's already got 17. He still doesn't run to the level that I feel like he could. But I guess when you're hitting 34 extra base hits, not a lot of time for running. He only has three stolen bases. only had six all of last year. He's a speedster. Cattell Marte has speed to burn, but I'm not complaining. It's just been a pipe dream that that he could go like 2020. It looks like he's going to go like 25-8. I'm in. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Baez is uh, squinched in between Moose and Cattell Marte, for those who are wondering. Yoel Moncada, we haven't talked about him in a while, um, or Tim Anderson, by the way, and I know Anderson's a shortstop. Kind of do a little check-in on both, though. I think both have been pretty good still. Like They're not tearing it up to the level that they were to start the season. And they were getting a lot of hype, and everyone's like, oh, they're the hot new thing. But neither has really fallen off. In fact, let me let me do let me do my month check-in on both. I got, I got to do a little something different here to check in on multiple players. I'm working it, though. I'm working the leaderboard. We have a new custom date range on the leaderboard, which is a godsend. Now, there is a last 30 that you could easily use, or, yeah, last 30 uh, in this particular instance, but I also like the specific dates. And so just over the last 30, um, Moncada, 307, 346, 515. That is good. Now, 31% strikeout, 5% walk. A little sketchy. If he didn't have a 413 Babbitt, I don't think he'd be tracking as well. But he has five homers, 11 runs, 13 ribbies, and a steal. Tim Anderson, 306, 330, 435. 18% strikeout. We like that. Guess his walk rate. Guess it. Just just say a number in your head or out loud. If you're with somebody, actually, I don't know why you'd be listening to this privately with somebody. Maybe if you're on like a bus or something. Just say a number out loud. Just be weird and be like, Six, and everyone looks at you like, what the f- is wrong with that guy? It's one percent. It's one percent. Sick walk rate, Tim. So there's a a Drake song in which he definitively declares that he doesn't take naps. It's like one of those parts where the beat's going. The beat drops and he goes, I don't take naps. Okay, dude. No one's going to accuse you of taking naps. Tim Anderson should do a remix and say, I don't take walks. Just let people know. I'm not here to take walks. In that same month span, he has two homers, three steals, nine runs, eight ribbies. So they've both been good still, by the way. I wanted to bring up Moncada. He's uh, still sixth on the player Raider at the position. He's having a great season. Muncy's seventh. Did I talk about Muncie at first base? If not, I meant to. I'm going to talk about him. Greatest line ever. If you don't want me to celebrate, go get the ball out of the ocean. I know it's not technically the ocean. It's a bay. No. Cove. Don't care. Don't care. Brilliant line. Brilliant. Loved it. Um, He's been having a great season, though, too. 
and they're finally letting him play against lefties. I was so hyped on Muncie because he hit lefties last year. I'm like, they don't have to platoon him. Surely they see this. Surely they won't platoon him. What did they do for like the first month of the season? Platoon him. What did that do? Piss Paul off. Did I refer to myself in the third person? Yes. Is that remarkably douchey? Yes. Douchier than asking yourself questions that you're then answering? To be determined. He's on fire too, hitting balls into the ocean left and right. Seven yaks in his last month. 295, 393, 589. Almost at like not like one good game away from his last month being 300, 400, 600. You've heard of 300, 400, 500. He's almost at 346 for Muncie. 12 ribbies, 20, 23 runs over the last month. That's what happens when you get on base at a near 40% clip. And you're part of a great team. They're going to drive you in. Love Muncie. Love that he has second base. Got him in a in a boatload of leagues this year. This was one of my this was one of my guys, and I'm I'm happy that he's panning out. It's always nice when you get when you get one that that really pans out exactly as you expected. The next four here are crazy. I'll give you one because we already discussed him. At eleven is Howie Kendrick, but the eight, nine, ten. So it's Mondesi, Moustakis, Baez, Marte, Merrifield, Moncada, Muncy. 8, 9, 10. And then Kendrick, VR, Torres, Albies. I'll give you those. Try to guess who's in the 8, 9, 10 range of second base. And they're all primarily second baseman. They each have an additional position, but they were drafted as second. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, I was thinking of him as a third base. No, no. These are second basemen. Try to guess them. I'm not going to, you know, keep this going forever. I'll, I'll just give you a second to think some out. I like to do this stuff when I'm listening to shows and they talk about stuff. I try to guess it. So hopefully you guys don't hate this and you're not just like shut up and say the names. But just a second to kind of think of some of the names who have been performing at second base. You ready? Here we go. All three are in the American League. Two are in the AL East. One's in the AL West, which is so stupid. It's so stupid. That should be a clue. Because it's so stupid. Eight, DJ LeMahieu. He can only hit the ball in Coors Field, though. He's a product of Coors Field. Because everyone who plays in Colorado, um, it's so easy to hit there. And so, like, you automatically um, are the best player when you hit there. And then when you leave, you forget how to hit. That's how it works, right? Because, like, then when you leave there, then you, like, can't hit. And, like, if you play there, then you automatically hit. Just like Ryan McMahon with his 725 OPS. I am not denying the impact of Coors Field. It is the best hitting environment the game has ever seen. And I understand that when you're playing on that team, there is a Coors hangover effect on the road. But when you leave that team, it's a clean slate. It's it's different. And I don't know why so many thought that DJ LeMahieu wasn't going to be able to hit. Dude was a pure hitter. Now, it was inflated to become a 300 hitter, including a 348 season in 2016. You know, he had a, a three-year run of 301, 348, 310. Coors helps that. 
But this guy's a, a, a true talent, 285 for sure. For sure. And he's been awesome. And, you know, one of the reasons I could give people for maybe not trying to draft him, like, aggressively this year is playing time. We didn't think, we didn't know for sure if he was going to be a um, super util or what. And obviously the 5 billion injuries that have hit that team have made him a full-time player. So I'll give people a pass there. But there was also argument that he wasn't going to play well. And that was the one that surprised me. I thought there's still going to be good batting average here. And part of this lineup, the the context numbers should be strong. Now, he's overperforming. It's not like I have DJ LeMayo on every team and I'm like, ha I knew this. I just didn't agree with the idea that he couldn't hit because he was leaving Coors. I did not find him to be a product of Coors. In fact, most of the star talents are not products of Coors. If you think Nolan Arenado would leave there and just become a mediocre hitter, you're stupid. Okay, it's okay, but you're stupid. Don't say that. It's dumb. You're lucky that he signed a long-term deal. You won't be exposed. Matt Holiday figured it out. Larry Walker wasn't even young, like when he left, and he figured it out. Listen, the bottom line is, of course it helps. Of course. Duh. No crap. By the way, Larry Walker only played a season and a half. and In fact, it really added up to about a season, 144 games, outside of Coors after he left. So I don't want to overstate that. Uh, but he was great before he got there anyway. So I'll still use it as, as an example, but I don't want to say that after he left, uh, like he played some whole amount of time. But it's not like everyone who plays in Coors is awesome anyway. Ian Desmond, what's up? So... That, I mean, and there's countless other examples. And sure, there's been guys who have gone there and they were mediocre and they and they, they busted out because they were playing there. But you don't become a superstar because of the stadium and, and then you would leave there and you're, you're garbage. No, dude, no. So DJ LeMay, who's been awesome, having a great season, seven homers. Homers aren't his game, but uh, seven already, uh, 15 all of last year. So he could, he could certainly... Eh, well, that was 15 and 581. Yeah, he could beat that. He could beat he could beat the 15 this year. 316 average, 41 ribbies, 43 runs, two steals. You know, not not like a major base steal or anything. And I don't think the Yankees really run that much. But those counting categories, baby, those are both pacing over a hundo. What if he hit like 17 homers with 100 plus ribbies, 100 plus runs? It would just look weird, right? Because usually 100 and 100 comes with like big power. Nah, he's like, nah, I hit nine homers. Now, he's not going to hit two the rest of the year. But DJ LeMay, who's been great. The other one, Tommy LaStella at nine. That, I mean, come on. Insane. And then Brandon Lau. How many of y'all got him? Be honest. Don't, don't lie. You did not get that one, John. Shut up. John, dude. Always cheating. <laughs> he said Luis Ringifo, and then he changed it to Tommy LaStella after I said it. Unbelievable. Uh, Tommy LaStella, come on, dude. Utterly insane. Utterly insane, dude. It's nuts. And he just keeps going. I mean, he's got 15 homers on the season, 303 average, 39 ribs, and runs. Another one. Is this more common than I know? 
I didn't feel like runs and RBIs matched this often. But Lastello over the last month, 336 average, six of the homers, 16 ribbies, 19 runs, 10% walk, uh, excuse me, 10% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate. I don't Here's the thing. I was clowning on uh, Tim Anderson for not walking. I care a lot less about whether or not you walk if you don't ever strike out. For the season, by the way, Lastella has an 8% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate. That's fantastic. And so there is a case to be made that I think this has kind of been the case with him. First off, there's been profile changes. He's putting the ball in the air a lot more from 23 to 36% for Tommy Lastella. Now, he's not pulling the ball anymore. In fact, he's pulling it less from 46 to 38, and that's usually a power indicator. He's going to the center field more often. That's where those extra uh, points have gone because his oppo is about the same. It's a two-point difference, nothing. But he's hitting the ball harder in the air. And, of course, a a 21% homer to fly ball rate is through the roof. But um, there's a case to be made that with this bouncier ball, a great bat-to-ball guy can maximize it more more than anybody or more than any other type because those extra, what is it, you know, like 7 to 10 feet or, you know, upwards of like 12, 15 feet, the extra feet that they're getting is enough to turn them, you know, if they were normally, uh, with a regular ball, if they were going in the air this often, they're, you know, long flyouts, like well struck, but just easy cans of corn at the, at the track or just in front of the track. But you give them those extra feet and all of a sudden they're going out. I wish, I wish for this year specifically, we still had hit tracker online. Now I know we have, I know we have, um, Statcast, but do they have the, the elaborate breakdowns of the um do they still do they have the elaborate breakdowns of home runs the way that hit tracker online did because that i mean that what basically it was the home run track it was called hit tracker online but it was basically uh just an amazingly brilliant home run tracker it was so great so um yeah, I mean that's it's unbelievable what Lestella's doing. I I buy it to a degree. I don't buy a twenty one percent homer to fly ball rate, but I do buy that that with the environment that we're in, that that a bat to ball guy like this can can take advantage of it. I mean, this is crazy. This is the the highest end, uh, you know. Absolutely insane. But can he hit another 12 the rest of the year? Would that be a problem? If he hit 280 with 12 homers the rest of the year, surely that would be fine. Let me look at projections real quick. Let me go. Let me go bat rest of season. Second baseman who are hitting 12 homers and a 280 the rest of the year. Just see what, what they project. Oh, my God. I about I, – I, I didn't even know this, y'all. I basically nailed what the bat thinks for Tommy Lastella. 277 with 11 homers. Swear I did not look at it. Um, closest would be Albies at 283.15, but that's with seven steals, and you're not getting seven steals from Lastella. Um, Cattell Marte, 270 with 12. And everyone's excited about keeping Cattell Marte. So I don't, I don't, 
I don't think you need to look to get out from under La Stella. Even if the power regresses, as, as it almost certainly will, I don't think it will to a degree where you have to run away. Brandon Lau is the third of those guys. Um, he's been great. He profiles to me as kind of a, a bit of a left-handed dozier uh, of, of more recent vintage, not quite peak dozier who was running a bit more. So maybe that maybe that's where the comp breaks down. Maybe just don't do a comp if you have to if you have to make 400 qualifiers and change the handedness. Maybe it's not that good, Paul. You idiot. But he's been great. 284, 14 homers, 43 ribbies, 34 runs, 3 steals. Now, he's a little bit challenged in his profile in terms of um, how often he strikes out. And so the batting average is definitely going to be ch- And he doesn't walk a whole lot. 34% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. He's he's riding a 383 bit for that batting average right now. Brandon Lau is not going to be hitting 284 at the end of the season. And I would put him closer to 250, 240 for the rest of the way. But if I get 240 and 20 homers, that plays. That plays. Batting averages are down in general, though, too. So a 240 isn't the same as it used to be. You don't have to you know, run away from that as, as aggressively as you had to in previous years. It's not good. It's not helping you. But I don't think it's tanking you to the level of of where it might have in previous years. Derek Dietrich, for all he's done, is, is only 15th. Um, looking at some others, D. Gordon missed time, so he's at 21. Cesar Hernandez down at 24. Jose Ramirez, 26. Matt Carpenter, 29. I think he's higher at second than he was at first because the depth of the position. The aforementioned Dozier at 35. Gross. Uh, let's see here. That's really it for second base. Let me check time here. Oh, great. Hour, hour, hour plus right now. Better hurry up if we've got all these other positions. Well, we really only have what? Third, short, and outfield? Yeah. Okay. Third base has been deep. It's been good. Nolan Arenado leading the pack. Unsurprising. Moose at three. Baez at five. Rendon at six. Rendon only at six. I'm skipping names on purpose. Uh, Bregman at seven. You know, these, these are the staples. These are the guys that, that we were expecting. Chris Bryant down at 13. He's been awesome. He's only at 13. Um, the aforementioned LeMahieu and LaStella get in there ahead of him at, at 11 and 12, respectively. Two and four are, are your guesses. Two NL West, four AL East. Four is one. Another one that I've, I'm I'm happy I'm really happy about going well so far. I hope he can continue. Definitely someone I was hoping could really break out this year, and so far it's been nice. Um, two Eduardo Escobar. I see you, Eduardo. He's pretending like he's still on the Twins because their offense has been so good. Uh, 17 homers, 55 ribbies, 45 runs, 295 average. Eduardo's been awesome signing for them. He came over. He hit well with them. You know, it wasn't he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball. He was actually better with the Twins than he was with the Diamondbacks, but he, he held his own, and so they, they brought him on full-time. You know, they, uh, they re-signed him, I think, a three-year deal. Yeah, three-year deal. And, um, 
Year one's been excellent. Three years, 21 mil for the 30-year-old. First year, he's earning tons of surplus value on that. He's going to make it so that those uh, last two years, whatever. But he's been great. Number four is Raphael Devers. And one of the things I feel really good about, and I get, I guess this is bragging. If you're talking about anything now, it's bragging, whatever. I don't care. Um, I was excited about his hitting, but one of the things that I'd mentioned I included Raphael Devers in my sneaky speed. I was, I was, I did an article on speed and in, in you know unexpected places. Some of these corner guys or these outfielders that you don't expect could maybe get you a double digit uh, steal output. Devers already has eight. He's eight for twelve. So we're not loving the the success rate. Um. But I'll take the eight stolen bases if they let him keep running. He's got nine homers, 43 ribbies, 47 runs, eight steals, and a 297 average. Remember, this was a premium prospect. This this guy was a top 20 guy for two years. And he he played well in a 58-game sample in 2017. His first full year, uh, he missed some time. He only played 121 games. And he was basically average-ish. Like he was below average. He was below average by WRC plus a few points, uh, ten points. He was at ninety. Let's 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 call it what it is. He was at ninety, but he had twenty-one homers, sixty-six ribs, fifty-nine runs, five steals. It wasn't good. I'm not going to sit here and try to spin it as good for Devers. But if that's your first full season at age twenty-one, I'm not. It's not the end of the world. And but we talk about this a lot. About what happens when a prospect doesn't, you know, immediately pan out into awesomeness, the market sours. And so he went all the way down to the 17th third baseman drafted, 120th overall, which is still pretty fair. It, it wasn't it wasn't awful. It's not like he cratered down to, you know, 250 or something. But I still thought he was a top 100 type of guy. I, I still like Devers as a top 100 guy. Now it's interesting. The guys, the third baseman that went right around him, Moose had the basically tied for the same ADP. Moncada down at 141, and Muncie at 153, and Eduardo Escobar at 197. Holy cow! Holy cow! But anyway, Devers has been great. He's the fourth guy, and um, I've been really impressed. And I think there's a lot of staying power with with what he's doing. Maybe not the speed. Because they might just say, hey, maybe don't run. It's not going as well as you're you're hoping for. But uh, I think there's some more power here. And I love the batting average. I love that he's he's cut the strikeout rate down from 25 to 17%. And, um, you know, he's hitting the ball very well. His batted ball profile is pretty similar in terms of the soft, medium, hard. And he's not really, he's pulling a little bit more, but nothing crazy for Devers. He's 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 got <clears throat> excuse me he's got a lot more line drives so it's like pulling back the strikeouts hitting more line drives that's a great recipe for batting average spike. So Devers has been great. Uh, Matt Chapman at sixteen, Aunio Suarez fifteen, Hunter Dozier's at seventeen. I was a little surprised at where he ranked uh, at third and first because he's been having a good season, but he has missed some time on the IL and he's come back down. Um, or, or excuse me, where where he's been hurt, where where he comes back down, where he gets pulled down, is the counting categories. The eleven homers are are good, 
Uh, a lot of guys we've talked about have team. Now he's missed all of this month, so those two weeks he might have had enough home. You know, he might have hit the the two or three to be at thirteen fourteen. But thirty three runs, twenty seven rib, or excuse me, thirty three ribbies, twenty seven runs. That's a one hundred three eighty five pace respectively. All these other guys have been pacing well into the one hundreds. But he has a three fourteen average. He was also on my sneaky speed, but he only has one steal, so that didn't that didn't quite work. But he does he does have some good speed. Dozier does. He'll he should be back soon. Um, a week or two, hopefully. Actually, hang on. I thought he was supposed to come off even sooner than that. Let me look up Hunter Dozier real quick. I thought there were some rumblings that he'd be coming back. Oh, no, he's just taking... There was some talk that he could come off Wednesday, but that's not going to happen. Okay, yeah, I wasn't crazy. Hey, look at me. Not crazy. Paul's not crazy, or at least not about that. Uh, the rest of third base, he got Turner down at 22. Yandy Diaz only at 24, Machado at 27, Michael Chavis 29, Jose Ramirez 31, Austin Riley 32. Austin Riley's almost passing Ramirez, and he's barely been up. 33 for Josh Donaldson, 34 for Matt Carpenter. Look at all these big names like down low. That's Part of that speaks to the depth of third base. Now, a lot of those guys have struggled, but part of it speaks to the depth of third base too. It's going to be interesting to see how this position finishes up. Are these are these fast starters going to maintain and keep some, even if some of these star level guys come back, is it going to be enough? You know who's at 18 that kind of surprises me? I know he had a big run recently because they, they faced a big rash of lefties. But Renato Nunez has 16 homers, 37 ribbies, 33 runs. And um, only 239 average. So the power's really what's doing it for him. But it's, I mean, that's been good. 40 homer pace. He's pacing for 40 homers and fewer than 100 ribbies. I love that. Love that. Anyway, that's third base. Let's move over to shortstop now. Let's see what's going on here. Mondesi's number one because he qualifies at second and short. Story two. Eduardo Escobar three. Baez four. Marte fifth. Tim Anderson sixth. Bregman, seven. Xander, eight. Xander Devers. Got that combo in two leagues. Loving it. Loving it. Elvis Andrus on the rebound, back up at nine. He was so brutal last year. And I think I let I let myself believe that, that 17 was the stone-cold fluke and that last year was more legit, but he played 97 games. Should have given him some leeway on last year. And even if I didn't expect a 2025 season again, I should have expected the speed to return if I thought there was any modicum of health range. Here's the thing, though. I didn't miss out on him because I was I was a total disbeliever. It was because I just wanted other shortstops. So it was one of those where I kind of just put him off to the side and said, you do you. You know, we're, we're just chilling over here. We, I, I, I don't need you. But I only had him down at I had him down at twenty three. He should have been higher. Twenty three was too low, obviously, for Elvis Andrews. Should have given him a little bit more benefit of the doubt on uh, on what he was going to be able to do. Let's see who else we got. Uh, Jorge Polanco at ten. He's been great. Dansby Swanson at eleven. Marcus Semyon at twelve. I want to talk a little bit about Marcus Semyon. I don't think he gets enough love for the revamping of his defense. This guy went from a stone-cold, poor defender, one of the worst in the league at shortstop. He was horrible, kicking the ball all over the joint, to now one of the best. 
And he worked his tail off to do it. It was, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, are we sure we can even keep him at short? Because it's that bad. To now one of the best. And that's why I, I said a couple times in the offseason that, you know, the book isn't fully written on Miguel Andahar's defense. Because defense is the one thing that hard work alone can can change. Like, you could just bust your ass and get better. Like, you can only do so much for your power if you're Malik Smith or D. Gordon. You know? But defense, you can really uh, you can really do some things to improve yourself and just work, work, work. And that's exactly what he's done, Marcus Simeon has. Now, that defense doesn't really do anything for us with regards to his uh his performance so i want to talk about what he's been doing on the field 274 average he's cut the walks added strikeouts 14% strikeout rate 12% walk rate for Marcus Simeon that's fantastic so he's up to 274 without a babip increase 4 points from 296 to 300 it was the same babip he's just not striking out as much and, and collected more hits. Nine homers, five steals. Now, the five steals is, I don't know if they're going to put a yellow light or, or full-on red light on him. He's five for nine. <laughs> you don't love to see that out of Marcus Simeon. Five for nine. 34 ribbies, 43 runs, though. He's been awesome. And if you add in the defense, I think he's like top 10 in war right now. Which, again, we don't play in war leagues or anything. I'm sure some of you do. He, but he's 12th. He's 12th in baseball in war. And if you account for ties, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. If you start putting all the ties together. Because there's a couple 4.5s at the top. Bellinger and Trout, a 4-4, four, four, three, three. Three, three 3.1s. Bregman, Arenado, Rendon, a 2-9. And then four 2-8s, of which Semyon is part of that group. He's been awesome. And, um, you know, I, I, I believe a lot of what he's doing this year. Could he go 20, 85, 85, 15, if he gets the speed, if he gets, you know, the, the running back on track in a, in a bit, maybe even more runs though, because the OBP is way up and he is scoring at a better pace than that. He, he scored 89 last year. So what about like 20, 85, 12.95 with a 2.74 average for Marcus Simeon. That'd be hot. That'd be hot. He's been great. Lindor's at 15, obviously missed time. Paul DeYoung. Dude, what the hell happened to Paul DeYoung? Carlos Correa Jr., my left toe, Justin. Although Correa's at 19, so he's still been better than Correa. Correa is also hurt, but uh, Paul DeYoung, he still has a bottom line of 269, which is nice. 362, 475 with 10 homers, 29 ribs, 44 runs, 4 steals. That plays. And for where you were drafting him, nobody, nobody could be mad at that. But over the last month, 169, not nice. 286, 303 with 3 homers, 10 ribbies, 12 runs, and a steal. That's trash. Golly, that's ice cold. Man, that is freezing. I'm just surprised. 
I wonder, it's got to be the speed, right? Or the runs? Yeah, it's the runs and speed that have him still ahead of Correa. But he's only two spots ahead. Or three spots, excuse me. But Seager just hit the IL, and he's one of the guys ahead. So he'll come back to the pack if Correa comes back soon. When is Correa due back? Let me take a look at that. Fractured rib, 10-day, expected four to six weeks. Damn it, dude. So it could be looking like all-star break. That sucks. Took him in my uh, second chance league. That sucks. Um, looking deeper at shortstop, see if there's anything. Uh, Machado, 27. Machado, man. I mean, he's rated so low in both second and uh, or short and third. 240, 10 homers, 33 runs. Or excuse me, 33 ribbies, 31 runs. A steal, one steal. What's going on here, man? I don't feel like this is getting enough run. He's been bad. Like this is this is not what you paid for, man. Wasn't he a second firm second rounder? Where was Machado going? Machado, 26th pick. Firm second rounder, dude. A low of 33. A low of early third round in the main event for Manny Machado. He's not panning out. Now he's playing. This is one of those like he can volume you to not hating him. You know? Because he can do enough uh, just by playing a buck 62 or damn near close to it to where you're like, okay, that's not so bad. But this is this is underperformance, man. This is not good. Not great, Bob. All right. That's shortstop, though. Anybody else? Anybody else super low here? I'm looking in like the 70s. Garrett Hampson's sick life. 74th. Dude, I whiffed on him so bad. I whiffed. Just a complete whiff. Tell you what, I'll be back next year, though. He'll be afterthought city, dude. I don't think he sucks at baseball. I don't. I whiff this year, though. Fat L. Hang it on me with Garrett Hampson. Larrett Lampson. Just two fat L's hanging. Freaking Larrett Lampson, dude. Good old Larrett. Goes down to the minors. Uh, I can't really do this. Uh, like You know, on Baseball Reference, you can click one date and click another one and then it, it totals those numbers i can't do his whole minors for a pace it's going to include these two major league games that he came up for we'll just include those uh, of course he came up and went oh for four because why not that's his favorite thing to do is to not do anything um but garrett hampson in the minors 286 345 481 take off those four at, at bats if you want um two homers Eight ribbies, 14 runs, six steals, which would pace for 18 homers, 69 very nice ribbies, 120 runs, and 52 steals. Goes down to the minors and just like, dude, this is exactly what I was supposed to do in the majors, right? Pretty funny that I'm doing it down here and not at the majors, right? <laughs> it's pretty funny though, right? Yo, baseball reference. Listen. I know some people freak out when I admit to using baseball reference like I'm only supposed to use fan graphs. Like, hello? 
I use all the sites. I am on our page, on our pages every day, all day. I'm also on baseball references because some things I can do there easier. Some things I can do at our site. Some things I go to Savant for. So I'm not even going to pretend like, ooh, I'm sleeping with the enemy. Props to baseball reference. They added not only college numbers. These MFs got Cape Cod numbers. Did you want to know, bro, or uh, broette? What's 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 the what's the female equivalent of bro? Gal? No. I don't know. I'm including men and women in this though, because I know there's women listening. Y'all, how about that? We'll just go y'all. I know that y'all are dying. To find out what Garrett Hampson hit in Cape Cod Summer League back in 2015. You, you started this pod. You're like, if this asshole doesn't tell me what Garrett Hampson hit for the Chatham A's. And I know they're the Chatham A's. You want to know why I know that? Because of Summer Catch, dude. Oh, they're, Apparently they're the Chatham Anglers. Which is still A's, but... The full name is the Anglers. I've seen Summer Catch 462,000 times. By the way, Jessica Beale, apparently an anti-vaxxer. Sick life, idiot. Wish you would have caught the measles on, on the cape. You're dumb. Um, anyway, he had 291. 356 LBP, 329 slug. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Five steals and six tries. For Garrett Hampson, 20 years old, Cape Cod Summer League, 2015. Book it. Anyway, got to move to outfield. I'm like, I need to pick up the pace on this. But let me let me talk about Garrett Hampson's summer league performance. Uh, hopefully, you guys don't mind a long one here. It's gonna be at least an hour and a half here, and that's if I if I do the outfield in four minutes. <laughs> number one, Christian Yelich. No surprise. Cody Bellinger. Number two, Mike Trout. Fishboy. Number three. Acuna, 5. Springer, 7. Marte, 10. Uh, Starling Marte, that is. Cattell Marte is 8. I'm skipping a few again, letting you guess some. All right, number 4 is somebody, you know, who's drafted highly. Like, uh, he was a top 20 outfielder for sure. Let me check that. No, top 30. Wow, he's lower. I, th- I think I had him rated higher than the market. Um, Power guy, had a big breakout season. Uh, for one team was part of an elite outfield that was then disbanded doing well uh, battled through some shoulder stuff last year he's at number four Minnesota stud at number six Tampa Bay stud at number nine and then a left for dead guy just no universe where anybody would have projected this for number 12 first guy you probably got Marcelo Zuna gave some pretty decent clues there Remember, battled through a lot of shoulder stuff last year. The reason I jumped back in was because the shoulder looked healthy at the end of last year. Like he really was was back on track, and so I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to operate as though the shoulder's working and ready to go, and draft him accordingly. And um, I didn't get a ton of shares because I wasn't like actually it wasn't as high above. The market as I thought. I had him 27th. The market was drafting him 28th. So I was right in line. 
with Marcelo Zuna, but he's been awesome. 18 homers, 55 rubies, six steals. Six steals, that's more than he had in the last three years combined. In fact, in the last four years combined, that's as many as he had. He was six for nine, which is not, or excuse me, he was six for 15, which is six caught, or six steals, nine caught. Not nice, Marcelo Zuna. That's his last four years combined, and this year he's got six. Steals are so stupid. They're so stupid. They don't make any sense. But hey, I love it. That's how he's only hitting 263 and still up this high, though. Because usually you count on some batting average from Marcelo Zuna. 312, 280 the last two years. It's come down to 263, but the six steals counter that. 55 ribs, 48 runs. He's been awesome. Uh, number six, easy guess. I mean, I said Minnesota stud, Eddie Rosario. He's been good before. And he's beasting again this year. Rosario has 19 homers, which is great. <clears throat> he's only hitting 267, but he leads the American League with 52 ribbies. And he has 46 runs. And I don't know, did he drive in anything today? They've been going off. Oh, of course he gets a day off. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, everyone's got to get a day off at some point, and their, their offense still just keeps keeps ticking. So that's Eddie Rosario. He's been great. Um, and then what was the other one I hinted at? Uh, oh, yeah, the Tampa Bay stud. Oh, some of you might have said fam, but you would forget that it's actually Austin Meadows. But I'm sure I'm sure several of you got that. Um, and he even missed time, and he's still 12th. Or ninth, excuse me. That's really impressive. And that that's what happens when you have 12 homers, 8 steals, 326 average. It makes up for the fact that he only has 38 ribs and 32 runs because of the time missed. Austin Meadows has been awesome, dude. Man. And, like, he's holding his own against lefties. He's crushing righties, 1073 OPS. But a 792 against lefties... That keeps him in the lineup. That's going to add those incremental counting categories, um, which is great. They don't feel like they have to platoon him because you know they would. Tampa Bay is not afraid to platoon, and I'm sure he gets a breather every once in a while. Although just yesterday, you know, they had Brett Anderson going for the A's. He bats, and he goes over four. I mean, doesn't mean he's going to do something all the time, and he shouldn't have to play, like, looking over his shoulder, like, if I don't do something against every lefty, I'm going to be taken out. That's, that's still something that just keeps bothering me about the uh, Major League Baseball is is the whole young players against lefties thing because they don't give them the opportunity. And it's like, well, how the heck are you ever going to learn to hit lefties if you don't get to hit against lefties? That's what I don't understand. So looks like Tampa Bay is doing the right thing. And another guy, uh, tangent here. In fact, let me see where he's ranked. Make it less of a tangent if I jump over to, yeah, 18th, Max Kepler. I talked about him earlier because he was driving in a couple runs. Similar sort of deal where it's like, you know, they were limiting his time against lefties. And it's like, well, how is he ever going to get better? Um, actually, pardon me. I don't think they did. That, 91 games, 167 plate appearances. That seems like a pretty full lot against lefties last year. 
and they were trying to let him figure it out. Honestly, his problem last year for Kepler was that he was only a 720 against righties. That's where he's supposed to make hay and then ha- hang in there against lefties. This year, 906 against righties for Kepler, 799 against lefties. Plus whatever that uh, that single is going to do for him today. In fact, I think he's two for two. But they've used multiple pitchers, so I don't know. I don't know if it was always against the lefty. You guys don't care. That's not important. But anyway, um, yeah, Austin Meadows has been great. Uh, Starring Marte, like I said, at 10 was a little bit of a surprise. I want to take a look at him real quick. Has to be the speed, right? Yeah, 10 homers, 11 steals, 287 average, 40 runs, 32 ribs. Just doing everything across the board and doing it well. For some reason, I kind of had it in my mind that he was lagging a little bit. Maybe he's hot. Pulling up the numbers. Let me see. Yeah, okay. I was not out of bounds on that. Because if you just look, um, as recently as May 23rd, he was sub 700 on his OPS. So let's just do the last month deal with uh, Marte. And you're looking at 336, 385, 55 with six homers, five steals, 15 ribbies, 23 runs. So he's really gotten on track in the last month, Marte has. And, you know, he, he was one of those guys that you just had to kind of set it in and forget it. What were you going to do? Take him out? Can't do it. Second you take a guy out like that, three steal game. Five hits, three steals. One of One of the hits was a homer. You know, something like that. So, uh, yeah, he's up at 10. Domingo Santana is still holding on to the 11 spot. You know, it's so doom and gloom with them right now because they've just been brutal since that big start. In fact, topical here because Colette, Jason Colette, just met, message, uh, put on our group chat of what they were. They opened 13-2, and two, the Mariners did. They're 16-41 and 41 since. And he said even the uh, Orioles are pointing and laughing. God, that is vile. That's so bad. So bad. But Santana's held his own. You know, he's still striking out like crazy, which is definitely concerning. But if you just look at the last month, 264, 325, 443 is not a line that is overly uh, impressive, but he fills up the sheet as well, similar to what we were talking about. Um, well, not no, 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 not similar to Marte. He doesn't have that kind of speed, but he, but he's doing stuff all the time. Twenty-eight, uh, f- only fifteen runs. That's that's a ninety pace though. Fifteen runs, five homers, thirteen steals. Only one steal in that time. Or I, what did I say? Thirteen steals, thirteen ribbies, one steal. I'm getting loopy here, looking at all these numbers and saying them fifty million times. I apologize for so much of that, too. By the way, I know sometimes when you're listening, it's hard to visualize all those numbers. I should have just maybe limited it. But I know, you know, you got to get the context of what the player's actually doing. Uh, And then Pence, I mentioned. Oh, my goodness. That's the one who was left for dead. Holy hell. This has been amazing. This is insane. This is completely impossible to project. No matter how you felt about his swing changes over the winter, if you even knew about them, you didn't know about them. Keith, stop lying. Just don't lie about it, Keith. Who's Keith, you ask? I don't know. There's someone named Keith listening, and he's like, damn it, I was lying about that. Um, if you add up, if you add up Pence's WRC Plus the last two years, 
it's right in line with what he's doing this year. It's it's not it's not one of those things where it's higher. That would be great if his current one was higher. It's not quite that. But if you add up what he did in 17 and 18, you take the 86 and 59 WRC plus totals, both bad. You get a 145. This year is at 134. And at least to this point, it's fully supported for Hunter Pence. You go look on his baseball savant and the little box in the corner there that kind of gives you those the little visual of what he's doing. It's all red, and red's good because it's at the high end. B- blue's bad because he's on fire. And everything, too, with Hunter Pence. Perhaps the most surprising one isn't, like, it is super, 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 super surprising that he got his hitting back like this. But the fact that he's all red and one of the markers is sprint speed. He really has gotten his groove back. And he's added about a half foot per second um, on the sprint speed, which is substantial. It, it, it really is. It takes him from a league rank. He was a, a league rank of 140th last year. He's at 54 this year. Might not seem like much, but these these smaller moves in sprint speed, I mean, we're only talking about 30-something feet per second at the high end. Like, there's just... It, Every little bit matters. So for a 36-year-old to gain a half back and have his hitting go off, Hunter Pence, dude, he's been an absolute revelation. Is he 100% yet? He's got to be finally, right? 97. There's still some holdouts on Hunter Pence. Insane. 14 homers, three steals. He's not burning up the base paths with it, but if he gets if he gets 10... We're here, 286, 343, or excuse me, 283, 343, 583. A lot of threes there. Great slash line, 22% strikeout, 8% walk, 42 runs. Justin called it a while ago that that Texas offense is sneak tip nice. You always expect them to be good at home, but they're just good everywhere. You just have to be careful of the Rangers, and that's with Rugnet Odor completely falling on his face. Somebody you would have definitely projected to be part of any sort of uh, big Texas offense. But Logan Forsyth is doing work. Joey Gallo obviously was a major part of that, and losing him will certainly hurt. But I think they're still they're still f- formidable even without him. Let me let me see what s- some of their scores have been since he's been gone. Actually, what are they just scoring in June? That'll be an easy snapshot. 5.7 runs per game in June. Uh, that's more than they scored in May. So they haven't skipped a beat without Gallo. I, I, he's been out, wasn't it June 1st that he went out, I said, earlier? So that 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 covers it. Yeah, he went out June 1st. That's insane, dude. This offense has been awesome. Pence has been a key part of it. Um, obviously, Gallo was the centerpiece. For, Logan Forsythe, I mentioned, uh, Shinsu Chu quietly just doing work again. Elvis Andrews back on track as Drubal, perfectly solid. He's not been great, but he's been solid. 788 OPS. Contributions from like a Danny Santana. Calhoun came up and had six great games before he got hurt. That sucked too, man. You know, getting a piece of this offense is is similar to getting that, that Twins offense. The Twins are like the rich man's version, but you're getting pieces of this offense you're usually getting some goodness. So getting Calhoun to come available as a, a 
prominent piece of the team off the waiver wire. That was nice. And then he goes and freaking gets hurt. I mean, not goes and gets hurt like it was his fault. It just sucks. Uh, Byron Buxton, 15. I just talked about Minnesota, man. They've been awesome. He's been a big reason. Um, everyone's contributed, though. That team, even more so than this Texas team, has just spread the contributions. I mean, he's doing work. Buxton's doing work from the nine spot, and he's contributing nicely. But you look up and down, the worst of their starting um, OPS pluses is Marwin Gonzalez at 99. And he's been much better lately. So if you kind of look at it, maybe from like a May 1st on, I think he was really brutal in April, and he's gotten going. The whole team could be over 100. And like well over. The next lowest is 106, but then the next lowest after that among their starters is 118. And that's Eddie Rosario. He doesn't have a great OBP because he doesn't walk much, but a 533 slug. This offense is bananas, dude. I mentioned Kepler's over at 18th as well. Betts, 16. Mancini, 17. Blackman at 20. Brantley, 21. Bryant, 22. Has Bryant hit a cold snap? Because I thought he was playing like an MVP again. And to see him down here is a little bit surprising. Or maybe he's just not running. I had 268, 387, 523. Still been great. I see what he's doing recently. All right, he's a little bit, a little bit chilly, but I wouldn't say icy. Eh, a little bit icier than I thought. One ninety six, two ninety three, three thirteen, or excuse me, three thirty three in the last two weeks with just a single homer for Chris Bryant. So that's probably sent sent him down the scales. That's the thing though, too, when you're talking about the top of the heap in something like outfield, a couple bad weeks and you're going to slide back down. A couple hot weeks, you're going to start to move back up. It's going to be tight. And so that does make some sense that Bryant has cooled down. Alex Gordon also has found the fountain of youth. He's sitting there at 23rd, 24th, excuse me. Another guy who, you know, who could have projected this? 121 on his OPS plus 274, 355, 477, 10 homers, four steals. Another guy, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, that's a great contribution so far. If he could push double digits, we'll take it. JD Martinez down to 29. I mean, the depth of outfield too is like, it's not the same as being the 34th second baseman or something. So Mitch Hanniger, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson at 32, Soler 33, Hanniger, Kiermaier, Mazar. They've been solid and they're, they're 32 through 36 respectively. Andrew Benintendi is only at 40th. And I wonder if he's somebody who might be worth buying. More on spec, though, too. I think sometimes, I think sometimes, you know, it's not going to necessarily be in the numbers. And so, you know, like Lucas Giolito's breakout. That, that wasn't something that you, you, you saw coming last year. He's he's changed himself. He's improved. But anyway, this is not a pitching pot. But like an in-season breakout is, is something that you aren't always going to see coming even more so. Like it could just be, hey, I'm just going to trust that this guy 
can be as good as he's been, you know, very recently and that this isn't him. Because here's the thing, too. Even when we look at these profiles and I say, that, you know, that this has been um, su supported, that just means that what he's done has been supported. doesn't mean that the player will be that guy going forward. Same with something that is negative. Just because he's been bad and, it, and he isn't showing underneath signs that it's going to turn, it could still turn because he's a better player than that. And I think Benintendi might be a case for that. Now, there again, there's going to be factors here that we don't like. Hard hit rates move down from 34 to 28. And uh, it's just a lot, a lot in that medium, 58% which is a lot of playable contact, especially if it's being hit in the wrong spots. And it looks like it's like firm, but, but you know, just not damaging or dangerous fly balls because his fly ball rate for Benintendi's soared up to 46%. That's plus 11 points on last year's mark. And absolutely no gain in his homer to fly ball rate to kind of maximize that. So he's got seven, seven homers, you know, that's kind of just, that's really not pacing for that much more than last year. In fact, it, it's pacing for the exact same number. <laughs> Strikeouts are up, but the BABIP is still up too. It's at 341 for Benintendi. He still scored 35 runs with 30 ribbies, which isn't great but he's at the top of that lineup still. They haven't veered. They moved him down to two more recently. Okay, bummer. You know, from one to two, I'm not, I'm not crying about that at all. He's still pacing for about 85 of both. Actually, 80 ribbies, 93 runs would be his current pace. So I don't know, man. I think Benintendi could be someone that you buy, and you're not going to get him on some severe discount, like someone's just going to roll over and be like, here you go. Because he's not outwardly terrible. He still has seven homers, seven steals, good, uh, you know, passable counting categories, 270, 364, this, this is like a buy at market and hope that you get the, the hot Benintendi who goes off for a month plus, which I think is kind of bubbling underneath. It'll take alterations. It'll take improvements that aren't currently in his profile. But that shit happens all the time, dude. That's baseball. Not everything is in. I love the numbers. This is not like an anti-number screen. Like, you got to check his heart. If you can't check his heart, what do you really have? Nothing. No, that's not, that's not what that is. It's just don't be so set that... These numbers are 100% what this guy is. Understand. That's why we use bigger samples for projections. Because in a given year, things can be noisy. So I don't know. Benintendi seems like a, a, a good buy. Just, you know, you're, you're, you're going out fishing for, for a trade. And you just uh, inquire about Benintendi as someone who can help your offense with the steals and, and the runs. And I think, you know, you're going to give like a solid pitcher for him. Because um, you probably wouldn't do hitter for hitter unless position was a real need. But as far as like a hitter I could think of, or excuse me, a, a pitcher that would be worth the caliber of uh, Benintendi while still constituting something of a discount. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not going to pay full value, but I'm also not here to try to rip you. 
um, I don't know, like a Herman Marquez, Shane Bieber. Um, I mean, those seem fair. Paddock just got sent down. Obviously, we know it's service time stuff. I wonder if Hendricks would work. Like, we have to stop pretending Hendricks is bad because he's not. And, you know, he's been pretty fantastic again this year. Three three ERA on the button, 111 whip. So, I don't know. Go out and inquire about Benintendi. He, he's been fine. He's been perfectly fine. Not meriting some sort of severe discount. I'm not saying that you're going to get that. But the best, I think, is yet to come. And that's what I like about potentially buying him. A lot of guys way down here on the on the outfield player. Rare. Puig at 58. Piscotti at 70. Um, let's see here. There's some guys on the move that I really like in this range here. I'm seeing Scott Kingry at 84, Nick Senzel at 86, Garrett Cooper at 89, Green Arrow next to all of them. Jose Martinez at 90, woof. Billy Hamilton at 95, God, he sucks. Aloy Menez, 103, woof. Is starting to maybe come out of it a little bit. That's another guy too, right? You look at the numbers, you're not going to see a whole lot. Now, that's a different scenario than Benintendi because Benintendi's done stuff. But if you really liked Eloy Jimenez a couple months ago in March, didn't get him, I don't think there's a whole lot to be deterred from from still liking him. And you will be able to command a bit more of a discount with, with something like that. Although, again, now might not be the best time because he's, he's just hit three homers and somebody who's been holding is probably like, hey, I'm just starting to uh, reap the benefits here. But that's somebody else I could see buying and it's not really, um, it's not really there where I'm like, oh, I'm betting on this expected woba when he hits it to right field on Tuesday's metric to really come through for me. You're just like, you know what? I believed in this guy's talent. He hasn't quite been there, but let's see, let's see what we got. Anyway, I should just wrap it here. Um, came in under two hours. Let's say that that's a win. I know y'all like like these. Hopefully, you enjoy listening till the end uh, on this one. Um, but yeah, I'll be back, I think tomorrow with Nick and we'll be talking about some pitching. So thanks for listening. Peace.